Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Welcome back to the Dan Prop Show. As you can tell, um, this is not Dan Prop. Dan Prop, quote unquote, is on assignment, right? Something probably big and important. But now they've got uh, Scott Shelley in the sit for him. That's me. You won't know that name, and that's probably good because if somebody does come to my door and knows my real name, it's usually a bailiff or somebody or a sheriff. But I'm the cow guy, and I talk on. Uh, I'm on Fox during the week. I'll be on tomorrow probably. Uh, but also TD Ameritrade and Bloomberg and all the other financial news shows, kind of doing the rounds of public policy and finance. Uh, which gets us um, to our next guest, actually. Uh, I'm going to bring on John Tamney. He's the editor of Real Clear Markets, the director of the Center for Economic Freedom and Freedom Works at Freedom Works, sorry, and author of the upcoming book, When po- Politicians Panicked. Um, John, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me on. So this is great. Um, I, I saw some of the things that uh, you, you've, you've, you've talked about, and I, you probably don't know anything about what I've talked about, but I, I, had a, I had a rant or kind of a little bit of a meltdown in March on Fox last year when they asked me, if we, shut, if we lock down, what happens to the stock market? I said, if you have no economy, you have no stock markets. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but common sense should rule the day, and this is really, really not good. And then I, I, I got angry after the death threats, and I, I dove into what I thought was going to be happening, and it just the more and more I looked at it, it said lockdowns aren't a good idea. What what are your what are your thoughts and and kind of shed some light on the, on the subject for us? Oh yeah, there's this myth offered by both sides really that the stock market is separate from the economy, which is just so idiotic. You know, the stock market is a reflection about future prospects for the economy. It doesn't reflect the present; it reflects the future. And so, it's no surprise that when you shut down over a quarter of the world's most dynamic economy, that markets are going to be very surprised and they're going to correct. It's also no surprise that as it quickly became apparent that politicians had wildly overreacted, that they've done the exact wrong thing. You never destroy an economy to fight a virus. But that's what politicians did because they're just worthless in, in, in how they approach things. And so with that, markets, of course, started to price in a better future, that eventually uh, we were going to get our freedom back that was taken from us in a way that blinded us to how to avoid the vi- virus or to how it spread and also blinded us, uh, robbed us of necessary resources to fight it, assuming it need to be fought. Um, economic growth is the biggest enemy of disease and death, right. yet politicians in their infinite wisdom chose to foist poverty and economic contraction on us and around the world as a way to fight the virus. Historians will marvel at the, at the shocking stupidity of the political class. I think you're right. I think that we are going to be judged so harshly, if not five, but definitely 10 years from now. And I used to say, and I felt like I was all alone. And it sounds like, obviously, you're much smarter than I am, so you've been able to put it in better words than I could ever do. But bad, poor, bad economies, poor economies have poorer citizens. So if you want to destroy the economy to get better, it's asinine. If you destroy the economy, you're going to have worse health care, worse hospitals, worse, worse everything. And that is exactly the opposite of what you need to get done. Yeah, no, it's so true. You put it so well. Let's never forget that 
we didn't always live this way. In the 19th century, if you broke your femur, you had one in three chances of death. And then if, but if you lived, your operation was amputation. If you had a broken hip, you were going to die. Cancer, forget about it. It was a death sentence, but let's realize that most people never got cancer because tuberculosis and pneumonia and <laughs> right. yellow fever got them first. And so why do we live so long today? Why do we die of old age? A very modern, rich country concept. Why do we get Alzheimer's? Well, we get these diseases because economic growth created the resources necessary for people to find out ways to elongate life such that we don't worry about pneumonia and tuberculosis and yellow fever anymore. And so now because we live longer because of economic growth, we're discovering new diseases. 200 years from now, people will be laughing about Alzheimer's and they'll have discovered other things. Right. But again, politicians decided this time that, oh, wait, there's a virus spreading. It was very evident from China that it was many things. It was not lethal. The Chinese were not dying in any substantive fashion. Uh, so, but even if they had been, the last thing you would ever do is destroy an economy to fight a killer. Because if there is something that's killing your people, you want the economy booming so that there's resources out there to, to be matched with, with scientists so that you can find a cure. <laughs> so you pose the question, would you support a lockdown if that meant you losing your own job? I mean, that's, I think that's a great question because I've said and written before that during a pandemic, everybody feels like their job is essential. So would, that's a great question. Would you support a lockdown if it meant losing your own job? And I think we know the answer. I mean, Scott, let's ask the question. What if, what if the virus had started spreading in 2000? Does anyone think that if it had spread in 2000, there would have been lockdowns? Not a chance. And why is that? Because in 2000, most people, rich and poor alike, had jobs that were destinations. So if politicians suddenly said, you can no longer support yourself, uh, you can no longer operate your business in the way that we desire you to, people would have revolted because everyone would have lost everything. Imagine 100 years ago in 1920, we would never even have stopped to consider the virus because most people weren't, were, didn't live long enough to die of old age in the first place, so we would have just gone on with right. our lives. This was a rich country concept, as in only a country as rich as the United States could do something so shockingly stupid. And, <laughs> and, and what, what's worse about this is consider what it meant for the rest of the world. When the U.S. acts like a complete and utter fool, we don't provide cover for the rest of the world to, to, to act wisely. And so our actions here have caused massive rushes back to poverty around the world. The New York Times right. has pointed out that 285 million people around the world are headed back to, towards starvation because this obnoxious, arrogant country that is so great but decided this time that it would bite its nails for, to, for, to make a few rich people feel better and destroy the lives of tens of millions of others and hundreds of millions around the world. You know, and part of me thinks this, and I could be wrong, but, you know, it, it, the mainstream media scared everybody so much. And I think that we're still, it's going to, you know, if it took three months to scare everybody like they did, it's going to take three years to unscare everybody, right? That's going to be a long road. I feel kind of like we locked down just because China did. We didn't have a better idea. You know, China locked down. That's, that was going to be our idea. So we, we copied China, and they're the ones that were the, the, you know, the whole thing came from in the first place. I, I was boggling my mind at the time that we were going to actually copy what China was doing with their economy to our own. Well, it's an interesting thing. Let's never forget that the virus has been spreading for a number of months at least in China and that they didn't do anything. 
And you could argue that that's a reason that probably a lot of Americans were already uh, immune to it, and certainly a lot of Chinese were, because it spreads faster than, than the flu. And so the Chinese eventually locked down, but they didn't for a long time. And kind of to your point, so what? That's what they do. We're the United States. We do not take freedom. And that's what worries me. The, 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 the thing that scares me the most, and I write about a lot in my book, is that, yeah, the numbers all work in our favor. Um, yeah, it never made sense to overreact to something that was so meek, something that largely hits people who are already in nursing homes. Right. But if we make that argument, we set the stage in the future for these idiots to lock us down again. The answer, first and last beginning, is always freedom. Free people produce information about how a virus spreads. And they also just freedom is its own virtue, plus freedom produces the economic growth necessary to fight a virus if it's an actual major, major killer. And so who cares what others do? The United States doesn't lock down right. yet this time we allowed it. And I refuse to blame the media. Look, I, I'm sorry. I, I blame people. We had all sorts of information. You did. I did. Why did it, a lot of Americans, I blame a lot of Americans, why did they allow politicians to do this? 100% true. You know, you know what? That's a great place to stop. We're going to take a break, pay some bills, and we'll be back up here. Come on, baby, Political fakers, fixers, and takers. He's Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is The Dan Proft Show. I'm Scott Shelley, in for Dan today. Uh, I'm otherwise known as the cow guy. You catch me on Fox and Bloomberg and CNBC Europe and the likes talking about public policy and and a lot of the a lot of the lockdown and what's been happening with the pandemic, um, and we've been visiting with uh, John Tammany. Uh, he's got a new book coming out called "When Politicians Panicked." Get a hold of it. But he's the editor of Real Clear Markets, director of the Center for Economic Freedom and Freedom Works. Uh, welcome back to the show, John. Um, we were in the middle of uh, you were saying that you don't blame uh, mainstream media for uh, shutting. We just maybe we're just a bunch of lazy Americans. Yeah, I, I, I look, I love prosperity. I know you do, too. It's a wonderful thing. It's essential. It saves lives, all those things. But I think one, there's always a trade-off to something. And I think one thing, the challenge of prosperity in a country like this is that we can be stupid. Uh, we can do dumb things. We can, because our technology is so advanced, we can say, especially the elites can say, oh, let's just lock down for a bit and hide out from reality because maybe the virus will get bored and stop spreading while we hide at home with our high-speed Internet that will afford us, that will bring us uh, groceries to our door uh, by the subhumans that are out there still working right. and, that, and, and, and that will bring us endless movies and, and TV shows that we can stream, that will bring us exercise that we can do from our home. Um, again, prosperity is amazing. We couldn't have done this 20 years. We couldn't have been this stupid 20 years ago because the people, too many, too many rich people's jobs would have been lost. Too many politicians would have, would have taken it in a, in a bad way. And so we, this is why we have to begin with freedom every time, because there probably does come a time in the future where literally politicians say, okay, everyone stay home for a bit. Let's take a break from reality. And no one would really notice the difference. But I don't want to live in a country that would take freedom. 
because that's wrong. Plus, when freedom is taken from us, we, we don't, we, we're blinded. We don't learn why something is spreading in the first place, and, and we do other dumb things. People should be free, period. Yeah, you, you, you're so right. And, and looking at the, you know, 14 days, 15 days to stop the spread or whatever the, the, the initial garbage was, you know, all, all I know is this, is I'm not a math major, but I do a lot of math every day. And that was, we were just talking about a bell curve. And if you take the ends of the bell curve and pull it apart, yeah, you're bringing down the number of people that go to the hospital on a daily basis, but you're also elongating how long we're going to have this thing around, right? So there are consequences to either, either or. My question is, I mean, I come into the city of Chicago two or three times a week to do television. And uh, I'm shocked at the, the in New York and base, well, for sure in New York, New York's only got about 10 percent occupancy now. But the, the canyons of Chicago probably, let's just say, are probably only about 10 percent occupied now. I mean, I've been on an elevator three times a week in a big, big downtown building. And I've only since August been on an uh, elevator with one other person once. OK, so when you have no customers in the canyons of these big cities like Chicago, and New York. What happens to all these other smaller mom-and-pop shops and businesses that have needed those things to be 70%, 80% full to survive? I mean, we haven't taken, in my mind, full stock of the damage that we've done to the economy. Everything's still so great because everybody is able to do Peloton at home and all these pandemic winners and a few losers. But I still say that there's a foundation here, that there's some people we haven't really taken advantage, taken you know, true stock of. And there's, there's some damage that's been done big time. Oh, yeah, major damage. But remember, those people don't matter. See, the, the, it just it, this was a rich man's virus all along. Yeah, and, you're and right. For the people that could, could disappear. I do think, however, that long term that's going to change. It doesn't, it doesn't take back the horrific damage that these morons did to a lot of good people who started businesses all over the country who just are seeing them wiped away by, by just an, an utter overreaction and panic. But let's never forget, and you know this from working in finance, when I was working at Goldman Sachs, they made a point. They spent enormous sums of money giving new employees credit cards saying, Get, take people out every night. Get to know the firm. We can't survive unless, unless everyone under, here understands the culture and we keep developing culture carriers. Steve Jobs built Apple's final headquarters, the one that, that, that he built, on the idea that he needed people running into each other every day. Uh, there is such value. To oh, a headquarters, so businesses true. were not so doing this just to waste money to build monuments to themselves. But of course, idiot commentators say that, "Oh yeah, people will never go back to the office again." That was implicit. There, well, some of these CEOs are agreeing with it. Money. Yeah, CEOs are agreeing with it. Yeah, some are agreeing with it, and they probably will. Probably with with, with certain aspects of businesses, they'll say, "Okay, we figured out a way to." But good businesses will get back to work in headquarters because that's how you grow. It was never about just wasting money. It was about successful, growing businesses, have people running into each other every day, sharing ideas, right. uh, arguing. And so that's going to come back. And so eventually it, do, it doesn't save a lot of these businesses. But to be clear, this isn't me saying that these people don't matter. who have had their, their livelihood right. taken from them by sheer idiocy. <laughs> but I do think eventually this is going to turn, turn itself around. All right. That's a great place to take a quick break. We're going to pay some more bills. We'll be right back after this. The Dan Proft Show.
Welcome back to the show, the Dan Prof Show. I'm Scott Shelley, the cow guy sitting in for Dan. We've been talking to John Tammany. He's got a new book coming out, When Politicians Panicked. And uh, we just real quick to pick up where we left off, because that's where I have a lot to say about it, is I think that you're right. I mean, this face-to-face, this culture, this getting in front of people, John, is a very important thing for businesses. And you just can't write that off going forward. It's going to have to happen again. No, it, it is. And, and that gives me optimism. And it also, that's what's so sad about this. Let's agree that no one needs a law to keep themselves from getting sick. No one needs a law to keep themselves from dying. There's no doubt that when it, the, the virus, quote, got here, let's be honest, it's been spreading here for quite some time just because we live in a global economy, in a global, you know, globalized world. But anyway, once it became known to, to politicians and they panicked, Americans were were, were stepping back a little as is. They weren't going out as much. They weren't going into the office as much. We were going to adjust as is. And so what happens when we spend less? We build up the capital base. You know this from finance. Our lack of spending doesn't shrink the economy. It provides capital to new ideas. It, it provides ways for business to, to figure out and devise new ways to serve us. And so if politicians had done nothing, Americans would have stepped back on their own. Their saving would have built up the capital base, and the economy would have revived itself. Compare that to what they've done. They just forced a shutdown. They opened things up and then shut them back down again. And so they've destroyed many businesses for good that could have otherwise said, hey, look, there's just a, a, a near-term pullback, but it's going to change with time once people, once people you know, get organized again and, and, and realize that this is not the big deal that it was. We missed a real opportunity to have a brief dip, a natural dip that would have created the momentum for a rebound. Right, right. I mean, I, I got a lot of hate mail when I just kept saying, look, the, the best way to do this is, not number one, not lock down, but number two is if you, if you feel like you're afraid, don't go outside and don't see anybody else that's been outside. Or if you've got a comorbidity or something like that, why can't we – make the choice for ourselves. The government didn't trust us to make the choice for ourselves. So we legislated to the lowest common denominator and shut everything down. And that was my problem. If there, there are still some people that, that complain about, you know, people not wearing masks and well, why do we have to mandate every, everything to make sure you're comfortable, right? Yep. That's not right. So if you don't feel comfortable, don't go out. But again, too much common sense, and it gets me frustrated. And I, my blood pressure goes through the roof. But we need. I, I can't talk about it without raising my voice. Right. I, I can't. I can't right. do it. The very people who who created the DMV and the post office decided they were going to dictate to businesses how to how to serve their customers during as a virus was spreading. Historians will marvel at the abject stupidity. Oh, I love it. Of what took place? Yeah. Well, you know, here's my biggest question to you then. Uh, you know, look, two things. I don't understand why what the CDC says if you're under the age of 70, you, you, you basically have a 99.4, 99.5% chance of surviving the virus if you get it, okay? I've never had anybody be able to answer to me why we have a vaccine for that. But let, but let's that, that's aside. I mean, I, I just don't, I still don't know. I mean, and then I, I did get Asked a lot of – Asked and agreed. Asked and agreed. <laughs> well, the, here, here's the deal. I, the, the vaccine's not for our health. It's for our mental health. It's not for your physical health. It's just to make you feel more comfortable. It's like the bollards out in front of these buildings to make sure people think that no one's going to drive a bomb into the building, right? Even though they probably yeah. still can, it just makes you feel comfortable enough to come back to work. And that's all <laughs> this really is. But my question to you, John, is how do we get back to normal? When, when, I mean, little kids are now afraid to go outside with their masks not on, right? I mean, we have now corrupted a, a, a group of kids 
that and, and I think largely this is the biggest effect that this has had on these children is is how do we get back to some semblance? I mean, I don't. I say all the time in writing, we're no, we're never going to go back to normal. And if you have to have the mask on after you've had the vaccine, because the vaccine was supposed to be the big panacea, right? If we have to have the mask on still, that means we're going to have to socially distance still, and that means that any restaurant is only going to be up to fifty percent capacity still. So anybody that thinks the economy can come roaring back when we still have to wear a mask and social distancing has got a new, you know, they need to go read another economics book. How do we get back to normal? Um, I think we're going to get back to normal because Americans ultimately have common sense and they love to grow and they and Americans are social people. They like to be around other people, you know. But you're absolutely right. This was. I think also reasons going to come back into play. Uh, you remember the 80s. You remember AIDS. You remember all the alarmism about that. I remember Vietnam. And now we laugh yeah. about that. You know, remember Anthony Fauci in the 80s said that you could get AIDS just by casual contact. How wrong he was. And so, so when it comes out more and more about how wrong they were this time, people are going to say, you know what? Uh, we're not going to continue to live this way. We're not going. We're not going to not be around people. We're going to get back to normal because yet again, politicians, when they centralize decision making, they destroy lives. Free people, uh, free, free, free people enhance life. When politicians take control and panic, they destroy it. And I, if the one good thing will come out of this, is that government will be discredited in such a way oh, yeah. that. Uh, I agree. And, and, and can, can we can we be clear about this, that we owe it to ourselves to own this narrative. People should be writing more books, more columns. We need to win this argument because if we don't, history books will say that, yeah, a virus contracted the global economy. No, it didn't. Panicky right. politicians did. And you know what? They took away your right to work. They took away your right to uh, congregate. And they locked you up it in your, your own dignity. home. Yes, and we let them do it. Dignity. And we let them do yeah. it. We hand it over the keys yeah. and says, have at it. I mean, if anybody mm-hmm. wants to take over America, we just gave the blueprint out to the rest of the world on how to do it. Scare them with a virus. Yeah. That's all. You yeah. can walk right yeah. in. I mean, it's going to make France look like a, a big uprising, right? So They say that the Chinese are spying us. What would they spy? What could they learn from these idiots who run this country? Exactly. What would you spy on after seeing this? After <laughs> Americans voluntarily destroyed so much, destroyed the dignity of so many of their people. Yeah, oh, no, the Chinese did it. When I hear that, that is exactly what politicians want to think because it takes away the blame from them. No, you losers right. panic because right. you had no sense of self, no understanding of the genius of freedom on its own. So you yeah. just took away, took away things from people and destroyed their dignity. You, this you, is yeah. what you did. You didn't stand up and fight for the right to be at your parents' funeral. You didn't stand up and fight for the right to keep your business open. You didn't stand up to anything. You just let them do it. And that's what really frustrates me. And and I think, you know, I, I, you obviously sound as heated about it as I get. But then we are going to be judged. I mean, and you say the absolute stupidity. I couldn't agree with you more, but I want to make sure everybody knows about your upcoming book, When Politicians Panicked. This is John Tammany. It's been great having you on, John. You're the, he's the editor of The Real Clear Markets, the director of the Center for Economic Freedom at FreedomWorks. And don't forget that new book, When Politicians Panic. Thanks for being on, John. Thanks for having me on, Scott. All right. so great. I really appreciate it. She's Podcast of the show at danproffshow.com.